All right, question for you. In your brain, has this been what have I been doing lately or what I have been doing lately? I was going to ask you what you've been doing lately. <laughs> what I have or what have I? I've been I've been saying what have I and even in my notes here I wrote what have I but a, a, according to this it's what I have been doing lately which I think has a different connotation right like it almost feels more th- more authoritative like authoritative like saying like what I have been doing is right as opposed to what have I been doing lately question mark and when we look at this story it's very open to interpretation. It doesn't feel as like authoritative as what I have been doing, buddy. <laughs> it definitely feels that there's a lot of different avenues or paths that you can go down, especially if you you know take some of the loose interpretations of what is going on in her mind that this entire journey is possibly, you know, something that has been internalized that someone is daydreaming, lying in bed and just thinking and you're getting a sneak peek glimpse into that would you compare it to surrealist works like alice in wonderland yes that is the first thing that came to my mind is oh wow this is alice without all of the lsd (laughs) well okay let's put it this way you know alice in wonderland is legendary right and yes. while when you first read it, and even if you like, you know, have like the the Disney interpretation of it, there's you, your your first gut reaction is fantasy, you know what I mean? Like this is made up, but then you start to realize how accurate it is, and, and it's like that satirical look at worlds that where by flipping it on its head, but still making it so honest and truthful, you come out with a unique interpretation. Do you think? Do you think when you're looking at this story, there's like a specific intent and interpretation behind every single line? Or do you think it's more kind of like, you know, when we read traditional stream of consciousness, the reader is 100% a participant in becoming the author of the context? Yes. And I want to answer that with a quote from the story, because I think it kind of encapsulates this idea of something like Alice in Wonderland, to me, was all about mental health. And I think a lot of this story can maybe be attributed to that as well. As I fell, I began to see that I didn't like the way falling made me feel. Falling made me feel sick, and I missed all the people I had loved. I said, I don't want to fall anymore. I reversed myself. I was standing again on the edge of the deep hole. I looked at the deep hole, and I said, you can close up now, and it did. And I think of that to myself of maybe depression Uh, anxiety, loss, and you're not wanting to go down that path that I want to reverse. I want to go back to how things were before. And maybe that is possible for some people. Maybe it's not possible to other people. Maybe it's not a good thing. Like going through trauma is awful, but it also can make you stronger. It can, and it can, you know, you can evolve, you can move past it and become a stronger, better person for it. And I think that is what, um, you know, Kincaid is maybe going for here. That's an interesting interpretation because the, like the structure of this is, is, you know, to your point there and back again, or, or circ, you know, circular, right? Like, like there's, there's something strange about the, the deja vu-ness of, of the story, but there's also those differences, 
right? Like the glitch in the matrix where the monkey reacted differently the second time, for example, right? And, and maybe that for some people, you know, could speak to that idea of, of trauma and loss where sometimes like the human mind, when it goes through certain punishment, certain trauma, it'll, it'll block things. It'll shield things, which, which literally the exact same thing can happen to you, but you want to have two very different experiences based on what you, what you've gone through in life. Right. And you can kind of see how in the story, the narrator has very different experiences with, with basically the same events kind of where the events maybe come out completely different too, because perhaps she's shielding herself. She's reacting differently. Uh, it, it goes to like that idea that we can grow and change, but then also we can, we can be hurt and damaged in certain ways. I like that the story is, you know, that cyclical nature that it opens and ends with kind of the same line as it, it bookends the story as a whole thinking about life. Your life is bookended, right? You have birth and death and they kind of are very similar, even though they are very different you are, you know, born and die, you know, with yourself, um, maybe not knowing that they're happening. I don't remember my birth and you kind of know you're going to die, but that last second when it, it's over, nobody really knows. Uh, so there's that unknown element to it of, is this going to happen again in the story? Is it going to cycle back through or was this truly the end? Because the whole story felt like it was a coming of age story. Um, was was this the last cycle? Well, it's you can say there's an element of loss to this story, right? Because the the narrator speaks to wanting to return home to be with a mother on one level, right? And we talk about crossing that river and you have to pay your dues, right? To me, what what came to my mind is maybe because I'm watching some Greek things right now, but I think of the river sticks, right? And you have to pay Charon, the, the ferryman, to to cross over into the afterlife, right? And there's almost this rejection that happens with her. There's this loss that happens, that wanting to return to your mother. Because, you know, moms can be a sense of security for us, right? And to want to return to that tells me about the trauma this girl has gone to that she wants to return to her mother, right? She wants to return to that security that she's left. And, and to your point about the precipice and what happens when you cross over it, you see her revert back, right? Like there's that idea of crossing the river sticks and going into the afterlife, but she almost relives things, almost like wanting to avoid that that great unknown in some level. But when she does get there, in that kind of last part of the story, she talks about the beautiful people, right? And then she says over and over again that they're black and shiny, black and shiny, black mm, and shiny. Mm -hmm, a lot of repetition mm -hmm, there. Mm -hmm. And I really like that. I wanted to get your take on your interpretation of that. Is this something that, Kincaid, do you think was addressing some type of racial aspect, or is it where do you where do you, where would you was she going with this? Well, I think I think it's inappropriate to say I know what Kincaid's doing, right? <laughs> like, like Fair. I don't, right? Like we we don't know. We're not we're not experts in her. I can tell you what my reaction is, and I I think may, maybe I'm led this way because of YouTube. Like, so let's say this. We've done, this is our third Jamaica Kincaid story. And in the other ones, we we reacted to it. We we had some great talks from Girl about the list, you know, being, you know, responsible from point of a parent, uh, the color yellow, right, in the yellow dress. 
This one, there's an element of, do I go north? Do I go south? Right? I don't feel comfortable in my skin. I didn't understand this person. The dogs were barking at me. Well, what happened was someone on one of our old comments says, said, oh, well, you don't understand Jamaican Kincaid. And I'm like, well, you know, that that's fair. I, I, I'm not a biographer by any means on her. And they said, you have to look at her her story through the context of racism, right? And I don't know enough about, you know, Antigua and stuff like that. I do know that she left, you know, very frustrated with the role of Antigua and came to the U.S. I know more about U.S. racism, right? And when you say North versus South, what pops to my head Right is immediately that that you know, abolition civil war problem, right? And when she says I don't feel comfortable in my skin and and oh it's black and shiny, to, to you know and this boy didn't understand me, I started to feel kind of like that that what we've seen described in books is that almost like imposter syndrome like I don't belong here because there's like that what you're taking on from a societal racism perspective versus just who you feel you actually are. And sometimes those are ends with each other. And that can make you feel uncomfortable in your own skin if you don't feel like you belong somewhere, right? So, so I had kind of like that type of reaction that's happening like in the undertones of this whole story. Fair enough. For me, I didn't feel like, and again, maybe I'll get grief for it, that it, it I actually did that. Um, my interpretation was it was more of the repetition of describing uh, almost like shadows. She is seeing people and she's making them who she wants to be because she misses these people. Uh, you know, saying black and shiny, black and shiny, black and shiny, uh, gives it a nice repetition feel. It's sticking in your brain. It obviously it's drawing your eyes there that you should look at this. Uh, you know, almost has that sing song quality, but it comes so late in the story. It's not really embedded throughout the entire story. So I, I felt from an analytical point that, had the whole story been about something of race, maybe it would have been intertwined a little bit more. Coming just mm -hmm. at the end, I felt like it was the narrator seeing these ghosts, these apparitions that were black and shiny, and she was putting who she thought they were. So if I was there, maybe I put, you know, my grandma, my, you know, grandfather, you know, my father, uh, you know, and you, you know, you put different people there, you know, and mm -hmm. and, and then the mm -hmm. reader is going to insert whoever they think of, uh, because it's more of a shadow where it is, you know, open to interpretation. Well, it's kind of like stream of consciousness is not about plot or even what happens. It's more about the feeling, right? And the way the narrator says like, well, this, this tastes like governmental ink. And I, I had the choice between North and South. There, there's no right or wrong way per se to come to the hermeneutics of what does this mean to me, right? If, you, if you've had a lot of traumatic experiences over one thing, or if you're dealing with the loss of loved ones, you're going to feel more pulled towards particular interpretations. And that's kind of like the, um, there's like that Freudian theory that w whatever is traumatizing you, whatever you're obsessed with, those are the sort of things you're going to start to see in life, right? Like when you start to see how, you're obsessed with being outcast, you start to see how the things make you different. If you're obsessed with uh, connecting and finding like a lover, like if you're alone, you're going to start to see like those, those male versus female differences a lot of time. 
And I think that's part of like that, that interpretation game, right? And, and that's what's beautiful about, I think, a lot of stream of consciousness writing, which is what I, I would put this near, if not completely into that category, because it adjacent. allows the reader, <laughs> adjacent, sure, um, to, to kind of tell that. I think we all feel a somberness to the story. I, I, I don't think anyone reads this and says, this is a Boolean. This is, I'm so happy upon reading this. I mean, you might enjoy Definitely it. Definitely not uplifting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think it's going to evoke like, what is your sense of sadness? And you're going to gravitate towards those hermeneutics of what gives value of sadness in your life. I think that that hits the nail on the head because as I read this, leaving funeral services <laughs> on an airplane that's where my brain gravitated towards. Uh, I thought about this cycle of life and I thought about, you know, is this person dying? Uh, is this person having rebirth because of the bookended nature of the story? Uh, she says in there, I do not like this. I don't want to do this anymore. And I went back to lying in bed just before the doorbell rang. Is the doorbell mm -hmm. the Grim Reaper? Is it, you know, uh, the beginning of life? I, I don't know. So, yeah, I, I guess you could definitely be pulled towards whatever your emotional state is at that time. And I think that's good because a story like this then has value beyond just its teachable moments. You can reread this story five years from now in a different state of your life and get something completely different out of it. And that is the gift of literature. Right, right. Like, as the story says, it, it would take me years to learn to build a boat. Right. To, to, to cross that stream. And isn't that what life is? We choose which built, which boats to build, right? Which hobbies to get interested in, which sports teams to start to follow or which. Sure. Hobbies we get into like chess or something like that. Like, like these are the, <laughs> these are the boats that we build. Right. And it takes years of investment to get to that point. And, and, and that's what kind of, I think gives a lot of meaning to some of these things. So Overall, very good story, but obviously very open to interpretation. I'd love to hear if you're out there listening right now and you had like a very different and interesting, you know, unique take on it. Let us know in the comments your views on the story. I actually am genuinely interested because this is one of those stories that I think the reader brings the context. Yeah, I agree. So uh, please like and subscribe and uh, leave a comment below. And if you don't want to write anything, leave us a, uh, a little emoji of what you've been up to. Peace. Peace out.